Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Well, it's uh, an honor to be talking with Alyssa Williams, the editor of the Spectrum Online Presence. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you have been working extremely hard traveling for your work for Spectrum, both to the General Conference Annual Council Meetings and the North American Division year-end meetings where you've been um, reporting, writing for the website, uh, but probably more time-consumingly, if that's a word, um, <laughs> tweeting almost everything that the church is doing officially. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, I feel tired. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, fall is always so intense, but um, it's... It's a lot of fun, too, and a lot of, well, fun for parts of it. But, yeah, you know, there's annual council in October, and then I fly out, like, the same day annual council is wrapping up to go to the Society of Adventist Communicators, um, and I do that, and then I come home. I came home for, like, six days, and then I flew out uh, now for the North American Division year-end meetings, which are going on now wrapping up tomorrow so after that i might be able to sleep a little bit <laughs> yeah and that'll be good well um since we have an expert here who's been observing church things so closely i would love for you to maybe just start where you are right now and reflect on the nad meetings and maybe can you kind of define it in one word what's your takeaway <laughs> Oh, okay. One word to define the NAD meetings. I would say uh, optimistic. Okay. Why? Um, you know, I think, well, I'll speak for me personally, but I do also see this sentiment uh, reflected on Twitter from a lot of people my age is, you know, annual council can be very discouraging, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, And then you come to the NAD meetings and it, it's just so affirming and it's just this really, um, you know, great um, atmosphere. Everyone's friendly and laughing with each other and joking. And you, you can you just get, get the sense from the NAD leadership that they genuinely get along. They gen genuinely like each other and respect each other. And, you know, that really just infuses everything that they do and the whole uh, you know, mood in the room, I think is uplifted because of that. And so it's just it's it's a way that if you're feeling really discouraged, <laughs> you know, after general <laughs> conference, tune into the live stream for NAD. And, you know, like, it's just it'll, it'll lift your spirits a little bit, at least it does for me. Great. Well, that's encouraging me just listening to you talk about it. Um, so I've been paying attention to your tweeting from the year-end meetings there, but I'm wondering if there are some kind of headlines that you think are major takeaways. Yeah, so I think, you know, there hasn't been anything 
super controversial this year. Last year, there was so much big stuff that was happening both at GC and in AD. This year, you know, I'd say probably the biggest news items happened yesterday. Uh, uh, so what was that? Sunday. I guess I'm, my days are all confused <laughs> right now. But in the afternoon, they went over two really big ticket items, which were, you know, if you'll remember last year, they had done two major requests to the general conference. The NAD had requested number one, that the 2018 compliance document that was voted at annual council last year be rescinded, which is a pretty yeah. big ask. And then they had also asked for tithe parity with the other divisions because the NAD has a longstanding history of, of paying more, of remitting more of their tithe back to the GC than any of the other divisions do. And so we know from annual council last month that the tithe parity did basically happen. It will be happening over in a kind of a gradual um, way over the next several years. Um, but what did not happen was obviously the compliance document did not get rescinded. In fact, we saw at annual council this year that uh, six unions ended up being warned um, for being non-compliant. So what happened yesterday is the NAD voted to send their request back to the GC again, again, requesting that the 2018 compliance document be rescinded. So that that's kind of the big news out of Columbia, Maryland right now. Hmm. Um, so that's interesting that they're still pushing forward on that. Um, it's kind of an, uh, you know, the other kind of takeaway, although a lot of folks knew this was coming, is that Dan Jackson um, is retiring. Yeah. And what was the mood uh, among the delegates there? Yeah, you know, and so like you said, I think, you know, we've all been hearing rumors for a while, you know, that he'll be retiring, that he'll be retiring in 2020. I don't think it was really a surprise to very many people. And, you know, he is, I, I believe he's 71. Um, so it's not a shock, but it was kind of, you know, I think there's overall, I think there's a lot of really positive, good feelings, warm, warm sentiments toward Dan Jackson um, in the in the NAD. And so I think, um, you know, it's, it's been really wonderful to see people, um, each time someone went up to give a presentation or one of their reports, um, almost everybody took the time first to say, you know, um, president Jackson, I just want to affirm you and your leadership and say how much I've appreciated working with you. And that has happened over and over and over again. Um, since he, kind of officially announced that he was retiring in his uh, presidential report that he gave on Friday. And so, yeah, it's just been, you know, I think there might be a bit of like slight panic <laughs> among some delegates <laughs> about who his uh, successor might be, but overall people have just really been taking their opportunity to express their gratitude to him. Yeah. I remember when he became president, there was a sense of, optimism about his leadership. And I think your word to describe the meetings really connects in with his legacy in my mind, because he really did seem like someone who um, took seriously the idea that if you were nice to people, um, you could get things done and the church would, um, you know, respect that. And I think mm -hmm. within the NAD, he really built a lot of relationships and helped people out 
unfortunately, I don't think that worked very well vis-a-vis Ted Wilson, who <laughs> has a much more, let's say, passive-aggressive focus on using <laughs> power to make things happen. So that contrast <laughs> has always been interesting to me. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you say that. Okay. <laughs> Ted Wilson, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> I will say just as, you know, somebody walking into both of those buildings, um, you know, for me, I uh, there's definitely a warmth and a welcoming that I feel whenever I enter the NAD building that I, I do not get that sense at the GC. And, you know, I don't, I certainly don't envy either Ted Wilson or Dan Jackson, those jobs. I would never want to be president. <laughs> Not that I would be allowed to because I'm a woman. But, <laughs> but you know, like Ted Wilson is, you know, he's president of the General Conference. So he's dealing with, you know, all of these different world divisions. And I think that you do have to strike a very different type of attitude when you're dealing with so many different cultures on a day-to-day basis versus Dan Jackson, who is very much, yes, he, he does deal with those leaders from around the world, but he, he is mostly dealing with people in North America. And, and we, I think you see um, that in his personality and how, you know, kind of the, the little asides and retorts and and things that go back and forth flying around. And there was actually a big discussion yesterday on the floor um, at the NAD meetings of, you know, you know, these meetings are being live streamed and we understand our kind of culture here in North America. And we're very, you know, we joke and we laugh, but, but we're often misunderstood by other cultures and the way that we interact with each other and the way that we interact with them and vice versa. You know, we often misunderstand other cultures as well. And, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, their leadership styles are very, very different. um, But they're also dealing with completely different groups of of people. So I think that that, and they are very different uh, personalities themselves. So that's a great point about culture. And I, you know, it seems very clear to me watching um, those differences that the Adventist church is going to be struggling with um, how to understand how culture fits with theology Mm-hmm. And church policy, um, you know, Spectrum has been reporting on some major issues in the church in the continent of Africa, where you have, um, you know, the government really inserting itself into um, what the church usually likes to control, who's, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. who's in charge of the church. Um, and so I think going forward, it's going to take some really um, – very thoughtful, culturally aware leaders at, you know, kind of all parts of the church, um, you know, in the various unions as well. You have so many um, immigrant populations who are kind of the soul of the church um, and in many ways the future of the church in the NAD. And so having very culturally, um, uh, you know, literate leaders, I think, Mm. are going to be important. Yeah, you know, and I was one thing that I was really encouraged by uh, yesterday during the meetings, which I wish they had spent more time talking about this, and they really just kind of 
um, said it quickly and brushed by, but uh, apparently the regional conference presidents here in the NAD went and took a trip to Africa this past year and sat down with uh, some of the the leadership from the African divisions and really just had a face-to-face conversation about the misunderstandings that exist um, both on our side and their side and that it was really eye-opening, it was really enlightening, and it was a really great step toward better understanding of, you know, this, this world church that we're a part of. And I really hope that in the future, number one, we get to hear more about that because I think that would be great to know more about, but also that number two, you know, more of our conferences and unions and all of the levels of the church can emulate that example. Um, Because as somebody pointed out, one of the delegates yesterday pointed out is, you know, we can, we can have all the conversations we want to via email or phone call or live stream or whatever, but it's really in those face-to-face conversations that, that you start being able to break down barriers and break down misconceptions. And, you know, for a world church, um, it really needs to be a priority that we do that. That's great. And that's a good way to maybe transition to thinking about the general conference session, which is coming up in what, um, a little more than half a year. Are yeah. you excited about that? <laughs> I don't know that excited is the right word, but you know, it's uh, it'll only be my second time attending a GC session. 2015 was my first time uh, at one. And so, you know, in some ways I am looking forward to being there again. There's a lot of energy and excitement and just being around, you know, I think they expect about 70,000 Adventists at each one. And that's an incredible experience, you know, especially for someone like me who's from like Berrien Springs, Michigan, (laughs) you know, population 3000 or whatever on a good day. And um, yeah, so that's just really cool to be surrounded by that many people who share share your faith and, and who come just from all over the world to be part of this, uh, this great church. Yeah. Um, so in, in kind of thinking about what the major issues, the major themes, the kind of ideas that people will be um, talking about or what you see as important, um, since you've been at annual council and you've been at the NAD year-end meetings and GC is happening in the NAD, of course, there in uh, Indianapolis, what do you see as some of the major storylines or issues going into the general conference session that you think folks will be talking about or we should be aware of, both big and small? Well, I think the big question on everyone's mind is just going to be who's going to be our GC president, you know, in 2020. Is it going to be Ted Wilson again? Uh, is it going to be someone completely new? And if so, who is that? And of course, who's going to be NAD president? I mean, really, all of the leadership positions um, are up for grabs. Um, but, you know, Dan Jackson's obviously officially retiring. So we know someone new will be stepping in there. We don't know if someone new is going to be stepping in for GC president. So I think, though, to me, those seem like the biggest stories of just our leadership, because we know that you know, whoever the leaders of these different entities are, that greatly affects the just uh, the mood, the morale, and the direction of the church. Yeah. You know, we will also be under this sort of weird um, atmosphere where several union presidents 
um, will have been publicly shamed, um, to use my word, <laughs> uh, warned, I think is the official word. Yes. Um, and they they received that because they were standing up for the right of women to be ordained as pastors. So I wondered, is that something that you think folks will be talking about at the GC session? Yeah, you know, I think they'll definitely be talking about it, but I don't know. What I don't know is, is anything going to come to the floor as, as a official you know, document or motion that I have no idea, you know, so far, obviously, because all of this um, drama has happened post 2015, all of it's really happened at the annual councils. So how much of that is going to transfer over to a GC session? I I just don't know. What about um, just sort of the, um, I don't know, the sort of things that you talk about with other um, communication professionals um, beyond the kind of church policy things that you think will be, I don't know, kind of interesting uh, when we all gather again um, as a church body, at least as delegates and uh, attendees um, in Indianapolis. Any Anything that you think will be, uh, you know, a common conversation topic? Well, you know... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how much of a conversation topic it'll be specifically at GC session, but just, you know, sitting at the press table this week, one of the topics that comes up over and over again is just um, how little it seems our church leaders know about the great things that are happening in Adventism. Uh, one of the big topics this week has been getting young people involved, you know, Gen Z and millennials and, you know, really supporting them in their um, ministries and ministry endeavors that they're doing and, and providing them with financial support in those. And it seemed like a lot of people aren't aware, you know, that the Society of Adventist Communicators already exists for that very purpose and that Sunscreen Film Festival exists for that very purpose and that we have some really fantastic ministries already in existence for young people. And, you know, and that's, you know, it's true of all sorts of different things that I feel like there's these great ministries happening that we just don't know about because we as a church spend so much time talking about warnings and reprimands and, and this and that. And wow, like if we could just get back to the actual, like doing mission and talking about doing mission, I feel like everybody would be so much more blessed (laughs) and informed. Hmm. Um, And so that's kind of just a, you know, general frustration at the press table is like delegate after delegate will come to the mic and say, why aren't we doing this? Or why aren't we doing that? It's like, well, we are like, we are doing that, but we haven't had any time to talk about it because we've just spent four hours about reprimanding people, you know? So that gets, that gets discouraging to hear. And I hope that at some point, whether with new GC leadership or something else, we can put all of this like warnings and shamings and reprimands and whatever behind us and get back to like telling people about Jesus <laughs> and, you know, highlighting the ways we're already doing that. Cause I think that would be a really great day for the church. If we could get back to that. I like your optimism. <laughs> I share it. <laughs> um, 
You know, the other issue that I noticed was is uh, education in the NAD. Mm. And I will take this moment to advertise that I have a conversation with Gordon Beats, who's leading the North American Division Initiative, talking about maybe consolidation or ways that we can um, really uh, address some of the um, enrollment and money issues that face uh, higher ed institutions in the NAD. That's going to be coming up. Uh, so stay tuned, folks. Um, but I was wondering, since you just listened to some of that discussion, are there any takeaways? Yeah, you know, I think, well, you know, you and I are both products of Admas education, and obviously a lot of people are um, who are listening. And I think, you know, I think we all have hope uh, for the future of Admas education and things, you know, do look pretty bleak right now. Enrollment overall is continuing to decline. Obviously, you know, prices for higher ed, whether Adventist or otherwise, continue to rise. You know, it's not it's not a good situation. And so I, I do have hope that uh, this initiative that Gordon Beats has been working so hard on for several years now um, with getting the Adventist higher ed institutions to collaborate better, to streamline programs, to um you know, share resources really gets off the ground and works. I mean, I know it's, it's difficult to be an institution and, and to have been going along and doing everything the way you've been doing it. And then to try to get an entire organization to change course. But the, just the landscape of higher ed has changed so much just since I was, you know, so just since I graduated and I graduated in 06, it's already changed so much since then. And we really have to adapt. We can't just keep saying, well, this model worked when the schools started being established in the late 1800s. So let's like keep <laughs> the faith and keep going with it, which I think is what some people are saying, but that's just mm -hmm. not sustainable and it's not going to work for the 21st century student. And we have to adapt or we're going to lose the schools. And I, I, so I really appreciate Dr. Beats and his team and what they're working on. And I just really, you know, wish them well and hope that it, um, hope that they're able to really get that off the ground. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see, um, what they uh, propose to do. Um, let us finish up with a little bit of a change of topic, but actually a major theme that's run through these meetings <laughs> that you've been at, and that is coffee, or how it's now known in Adventism, gossip juice. <laughs> this has been an incredible phenomenon where people have tweeted, created logos, great, made great memes, and actually <laughs> created and sold all kinds of coffee mugs with the Adventist church logo and the words gossip juice. What is going on? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very happy to report that I am sitting at the meetings this week with my gossip juice travel mug. I can tell awesome. you it keeps liquids hot for, let's see, I tested it out. Like I had six hours that I left my travel mug with like, yes, coffee. I apologize <laughs> um, in it and it was still warm. So, you know, shout out for that. But so this all started at annual council, um, Neil, Neil Nedley, um, who's the president of Weimar Institute did one of the worship talks, 
I think it was the very first one at annual council. And he, you know, was talking about, you know, all the terrible things that caffeine does to you. And he throws out there that, you know, cough, uh, caffeine consumption leads to gossip. And I think that caught some people by surprise, <laughs> kind of, like, you know, <laughs> you know, woke them up a little bit. And he, he put up on the screen this really kind of what seemed like an obscure quote from Ellen G. White, which I have pulled up here. So if we have time, I would love to read it. Please, um, please do. So, okay. So it's just a couple sentences. So it's titled, The Tongue is Loosened. And it says, when these tea and coffee users meet together for social entertainment, the effects of their pernicious habit are manifest. All partake freely of the favorite beverages. And as the stimulating influence is felt, their tongues are loosened and they begin the wicked work of talking against others. Their words are, <laughs> their words are not few or well chosen. The tidbits of gossip are passed around too often the poison of scandal as well. These thoughtless gossipers forget that they have a witness. An unseen watcher, capital W, is writing their words in the books of heaven. All these unkind criticisms, these exaggerated reports, these envious feelings expressed under the excitement of the cup of tea, Jesus registers as against himself. And then it quotes, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And that apparently is from Christian Temperance and Bible Hygiene, um, page 36, um, is the reference given after that quote. And this I pulled directly from, you know, EGWWritings.org or whatever. So... So there you have it. You know, Ellen White uh, said that caffeine consumption causes gossip. And I think there were a lot of people who were surprised and just really wanted to take that to heart with the reminder <laughs> of hashtag gossip juice and <laughs> really ran with it during annual council. And it continues to be a theme <laughs> with NAD meetings as well. And yeah, um, the SDA caricaturist really just kind of jumped on that immediately, created some some really cool merch with gossip juice on it. And um, yeah, so yeah, I have this great travel mug that says hashtag gossip juice with a really cool logo that's kind of a mashup of the Starbucks logo and the Adventist flame. Sorry to the GC legal people, <laughs> um, but it's, you know, get them before they shut the, the caricaturists down. Cause they're pretty great. Well, you know, I just have to, I'm kind of worried. I, I understand that the person who shared that idea about the connection between um, drinking caffeine and gossiping is a medical doctor, but that seems to me like a classic case of uh, correlation getting confused <laughs> with causation. Yeah, you know, and as several people have pointed out, you know, I think in the for anyone who's worked in the corporate room, the corporate world, the idea of gathering around the water cooler to gossip and chat is pretty prevalent. And so does that mm -hmm. mean we should outlaw water as well? Like, I'm not sure. Maybe if Ellen White was around today, she'd, she'd have a few choice words for water coolers as well. We'll, we'll never know. Yes. Um, well, I uh, also bought my own gossip juice mug and <laughs> uh, it's treated me well, but 
as here at Spectrum, we always check our sources. So we don't rely on gossip. We uh, use very important journalistic practices. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, it's been really great talking with you. Thank you so much for what you do for the Spectrum community. Yeah, well, thank you, Alex. Take care. All the best. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear.